Hello there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 36 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. That's not the most special thing about this episode. The most special thing about this episode is that we've been recording in a galaxy for one year now. One year. That's crazy. That's crazy. From the bottom of both of our hearts, thank you so much to everyone who's listened, who's talked to us on Twitter, who's done anything to interact with this podcast. We never thought we'd be doing this a year down the road and it would be so much bigger and so much more fun and so much more everything now a year down the road. Uh, it's, a, it's a normal episode. We watched Storm Over Ryloth, Innocence of Ryloth, and Liberty of Ryloth, um, uh, just like any normal episode. But we got some fun festivities planned down the road after we do that. But first, welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Jacob. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> you just said I'm Jacob. Hold on. I wanted to we, see we how you react to that. Oh, wait. Oh, I thought that was a mistake. Oh, no, no, no. I did that on Oh, I'm Eli, I guess. <laughs> Welcome back to Star Wars and Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. <laughs> I wondered how that was going to go down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, I was like, should I do it this week? I'm like, no. And then I decided, yeah, I'm going to do it this week anyway. Okay, uh, let's get on to this. Um, so, uh, again, as I said before, Storm over Ryloth, Innocence of Ryloth, and Liberty on Ryloth. Uh, do you want to get us started here, Jacob, with our fortune cookie for Storm? Uh, yeah, so we start off with Storm over uh, Ryloth. The fortune cookie for this is, it is a rough road that leads to the heights of greatness. I think this is a really interesting fortune cookie and I have a lot to say about about this episode, but I don't know, do you wanna go first? What are your yeah, thoughts on good. this fortune cookie? Fortune cookie's good. Nothing wrong with it. It's not incredible, but it's not terrible. It's good. I thought this was, it was kind of, in some ways it felt a little bit boilerplate, but I thought it was an awesome, I thought it was an awesome fortune cookie for this episode specifically you know um i think this is really applicable to ahsoka i think yes absolutely we see ahsoka in this episode in in my in my opinion kind of beginning her path to greatness and becoming less of a purposefully annoying character and more of a really awesome character that everyone wants to root for in this episode and she does that by facing the rough road um yeah this is one of my favorite episodes flat out uh, of season one or of or of, of clone wars all around See, so yeah I, I love this it's interesting that you love this episode so much because you know what this episode reminded me the most of believe it or not what the last jedi really how so reckless commander defies their superior officer and in thinking they can blow something up big while disregarding the lives that may be lost while doing so i mean you could i, I can put that with you... ahsoka and anakin you could put that with poe and leia Ahsoka's a little bit better than Poe. She turns back quicker, but nonetheless, and and Poe loses more because of that. But like you know, nonetheless. Yeah, I think I like this better than the way it plays out in Last Jedi because I think in Last Jedi we don't really see Poe change. As a result of it, I feel like his arc in in the sequel trilogy is pretty much a downward graph. But I think I think what I like about this is we can really see Ahsoka grappling with the weight of what she's done which we'll get yeah. into in a bit I don't know. And, in, and grapple with 
how she needs to how she needs to come back and it ends up making her a much more interesting a much more interesting character and someone that you really want to root for whereas with poe it seems like it seems like that kind of the opposite happens like we come back in rise of skywalker and he's still he's still super abrasive and and arrogant and obnoxious just the way he was in my mind in the last jedi okay i disagree but it's fine you know like i i know i really like there's a line that really resonates with me from the last jedi in this episode um i uh there were heroes on that mission dead heroes yeah um it, it really so let's let's summarize the episode because we never actually kind of did that um ahsoka uh, and anakin are trying to break the separatist blockade of the planet of ryloth um the people of ryloth are being taken captive the twi'leks are be- being taken captive by the separatists who want to exploit their exploit their planet for resources and ahsoka makes a reckless move that causes her to lose half of her squad uh, and Anakin and Ahsoka, with the squad they have left, have to figure out a way to break through the Separatist blockade, which they do. And Anakin pulls a kind of sort of Rogue One maneuver. Um, yeah, that's a very interesting maneuver that Ahsoka and Anakin pull. I have more a, to say about it, that later. It reminds me of Rogue One, with the Star Destroyers clashing into each other, destroying the shield gate. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's the Haldo maneuver without the hyperspace part. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, where were we? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We start off, you know, um, we see uh, the separatist admiral. I can't remember their name. Talking to Wat Tambor, and Wat Tambor says we cannot allow the Republic to invade this planet. Yeah, which to me doesn't make a ton of sense. You know, it's not very industrialized. But then I was realizing, at least in Legends, this planet has a ton of unfortunately slavery and also spice mining yeah there's a ton of and, treasure he keeps referencing treasure yeah turn down a, for what keeps mentioning treasure turn down for what and, and i literally every time he appeared i just wrote i just wrote in all caps in my notes uh turn down for what i guess it um it's the I techno union they nice. provide the best beats in the galaxy techno union baby dj watt tambor turn <laughs> DJ it up dj tambor you know i think uh i think I can only assume it's because of because of these unfortunate commodities that the planet has kind of been uh, been cursed with that for some reason everyone wants to to take whatever every slaver wants twi'leks for some reason so we end up seeing it become a hub of kind of shady underworld activity maybe that's why the separatists really want that but you know later on um much this is much later down the line i think season four in the onder no not onder on in the Zygeria arc, we see uh, Count Dooku say, or we see Count Dooku talking with Sidious, and Sidious says, "We need to resurrect the slave trade. We need, we, we need millions of slaves for what yeah. we want to do." And also, you could also make the counter argument to that, which is, um, the, the Twilights who are still free, Chams and Dula's freedom fighters, are a very important asset to the Republic later on. And, you know, blockading Ryloth means block, blocking the Republic off from those very important allies that they can get. Yeah, I think also, you have, you have a good point. I think another thing, another thing to consider is that, you know, Twi'leks are a very, very multi-planetary species. We see them all over Everywhere. the galaxy in great yeah. numbers. They're kind of every, they're one of those species. Like humans, they're kind of everywhere. They may not be as dominant a group as, as humans 
political in terms of political but power. But what Star Wars series haven't we not seen a Twilight? Yeah, and and oh. that makes me think, you know, if they're everywhere, and then if news gets out that Ryloth has been freed by the Republic, that's going to turn a, a lot of people's, especially I think a lot of Twi'leks might have their opinion kind of influenced by that. Absolutely. So I think maybe. Maybe not so much the conquering of it, but maybe the reason they want to hold on to it also is a is a PR move, so that they don't have to deal with a, a, a large portion, not a large portion, but a significant population kind of having a sea change of opinion against the separatists. Yeah, I also just realized, by the way, this is this is hilarious. Um, there's another Last Jedi parallel. Um, it. It, it involves a one of the leading commander's superior officers um, being uh, wounded in battle, severely wounded in battle, and them feeling responsible. Poe with Leia and Ahsoka with Yalaren in the episode. Um, yeah. And uh, it actually turns out the opposite, because the first time we see Leia with Poe is when she shoots shoots him with a stun blast. The first time we see Yularen and Ahsoka, Yularen steps in and sticks up for her and her battle strategy, despite the fact that, um, that she, uh, her previous battle strategy kind of failed as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, observation. I will say, I love Matt Lanter as Anakin in this episode. Matt Lanter shines this episode. Um, I think. Anakin's a very good teacher in this episode. Because he doesn't let Ahsoka get too much down, too down about it, you know. He does. He doesn't. He he reprimands her, but he realizes the fact that if Ahsoka is never allowed to be in charge of a mission again, Ahsoka is, despite her failure, is a good leader. She just needs to be given the chance to slow down a bit and think about her actions, which she does, and that's why they're able to break through the blockade. Yeah, I think speaking of the blockade, we gotta talk about now Ahsoka's kind of kind of disastrous mission because I think that's that's really important. It's a it's a turning point for Ahsoka. Do you have any do you have any thoughts on this? No, I've said a lot of my stuff about its comparisons to Poe's suicide run against the not the suicide run, but like a reckless run against the dreadnought in the Last Jedi. But you okay. you speak to it. Okay, you know, I absolutely love this moment. I think uh, this is a prime example of how Dave Filoni has kind of, and and not just Dave Filoni, but the the entire uh, the, everyone who was involved in the writing aspect of the Clone Wars really did a great job of taking Ahsoka's character. I think at first purposefully making her not the most likable, and then slowly taking the aspects that they chose to have people not like by the way they presented them, like Ahsoka being kind of sassy and super reckless and disrespectful to characters that fans are already attached to which takes people off and then yeah yeah we see those aspects be remedied over time and i think it's i think this episode is a major turning point in ahsoka's character development for so many reasons first of all i think there's a prime example of the way the jedi are, are kind of being pretty negligent at times towards towards the clones in the clone wars and why public opinion may be turning against the jedi you know the way anakin just lets Ahsoka lead out all the clones and clearly she doesn't have much Starfighter experience. He's pretty he's pretty cavalier and casual about the whole thing. He says, you'll be fine, you know, trust in your training, yada, yada, yada. 
I think that's interesting. Also, the fact that Ahsoka doesn't get court-martialed for disobeying orders. Look, I know she's underage, but that I don't think that's a great look, to be honest. And another thing this reminds me of is Anakin's arc in the Malevolence episodes. Because if we remember in those episodes, we, we, we see him kind of struggling with the realization that his abilities outstrip that of the clones. And just because he can do something doesn't mean the clones can do it too. And so we end up seeing him calling off the attack to go for the kill on General Grievous and instead going to disable the Malevolence's Ion Cannon. I think we see a similar thing here with Ahsoka with her saying to the um to, to her uh, wingmates, the clone pilots, just saying, come on, just stick with me. Even though she has the force, you know, so she can she can fly a lot better than they can. And but ultimately, I think here we don't see her kind of correct herself, at least in this battle, the way that also, Anakin does. I also think, by the way, so Ahsoka was going doing just fine until those reinforcements arrived. The re the I think Ahsoka also had a lot of pride in her, and she didn't, you know. There's that line in the Clone Wars movie that's very present here. That when she's when when uh, Anakin tells her to run in the Clone Wars movie, she responds in a response that's clued in my mind. No, Jedi don't run. She yeah, has yeah. that pride about her, and it. She's still learning to leave that pride behind for survival. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that yeah, I was gonna say the most important reason that this or the most important thing that this episode does for Ahsoka is is show her really for the first time really in a heavy deep way that really weighs on her grapple with the consequences of her actions. You know, Anakin gives her a really stern talking to. He doesn't just say, "Well, you disobeyed, but it's okay." You know, we see her struggling with her own guilt. This this makes her more relatable. The fact that Anakin puts his foot down, tells her to go to her quarters when she gets mad at him for planning an attack, again, really shows this. I think that, and I think, to me, the introduction of the serious guilt and accountability really go a long way to make her more likable. And yeah, it's just great the fact that she gets less cocky. And I think this is one of those, this is the first big turning point for Ahsoka. We see her really, from here from here on out, we kind of start to see her really uh, take flight as a, as a Jedi, as a character, you know, so... As a leader. I think that's great. As a leader, too, yes. Yeah. And, um, and as a team player. I, I have some trivia, some low-hanging fruit that, okay, I, that cool. I thought of. Um, so one thing that I found on StarWars.com is that the maneuver Ahsoka uses in the final battle when she tips the ship 90 degrees yeah. and, then, and then flanks the cruisers is called the Marg Sable and was also used by Thrawn in Heir to the Empire. Oh, yes, yeah. And then we see this, we see this connected in Thrawn alliances when Thrawn, when Thrawn and Anakin talk about the Marg Sable and, and maybe, maybe in canon that's what teaches Thrawn about it. Who knows? I think that's pretty interesting, though. Also, um... In the, uh, in the hangar bay, we can see the astromech droid R2KT, oh. the pink astromech droid that was created in 2005 by the R2D2 Builders Club. R2KT was built for Katie Johnson, a, a seven-year-old who was the daughter of Albin Johnson, the founder of the 501st Legion Costuming Group because uh, she had brain cancer. Yeah, and, I was uh, say, she, I thought she had yeah. cancer, yeah. Yeah, they created that droid to watch over her however do not confuse this droid with qtkt which is in 
the that's in D squad. D squad, yeah. But QTKT is also a pink, in, a pink R two type droid, and also in memory has like female pronouns. Yeah, that's cr- that's confusing. I think that's a okay. little confusing, but you know, I'm I'm team R two KT all the way. I think that's super cool, and we keep seeing R two KT. Dave Filoni even mentioned how uh, he 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 likes putting R two KT in different cameos because he thinks that he wants to make the fans feel like they're being heard for that, yeah. which I think is is really cool of him and is really cool of everyone My that came Dave. together to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I got for um. That's all I got for Storm over Ryloth. I really think the. I think the star of this episode is Ahsoka. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not 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 too much to say, but uh. Yeah. Um, should really, we uh, proceed on to Innocence of Ryloth? Yeah, Innocence of Ryloth. Okay. The fortune cookie is the costs of war can truly never be accounted for. Um, I like I like I really like this. I think um I'm gonna spoil this for you. This might be surprising to you. Innocence of Ryloth is my favorite one of these three. Okay, that, that um, makes sense. It's a, I think it's a really solid episode. It it's and I really like, I I really like how this fortune cookie ties in. We see this episode a lot through the eyes of Waxer and Boyle, um, yeah. and we see they find uh, Numa, who's going to be important in Rebels as well, um, and they see how completely wrecked her home got and it it's a reminder that war is not just a series of statistics and battles it leaves a it leaves a scar battles leave scars canon jarris season three of star wars rebels right yeah battles Uh, leave scars some you can't see i think this is i think that's a perfect summary of what happens i think this is really shown with numa you know she visits her home and that that is a and and clearly that is that is really hard for her and you know at the end of the day we can count up the property damage and the lives lost no more but i don't think we can ever really true tr- truly fathom the the mental effects it has on the on the people individuals and and communities and and all the subtle not so subtle uh, deep long term effects yeah that that living through a war and, and going through something like that can have so i think yeah. it's crazy like to think of, to when you actually think about the toll that it that it's that it has on numa like that that's crazy and it's interesting to me that like you know this is this invasion is because of greed mostly this invasion is because of greed that's that's it and how many twi'leks get impacted by that it's crazy to me. Um, yeah, uh, and then they use them as human, like a human shields. They call them. Basically, there's a huge cannon that's that's uh, going to destroy them all. But they can't attack it directly because if they ta- attack it, then they risk killing some of the Twi'leks nearby. Innocents that the Separatists are using as they literally call them human shields. I would also like to yeah, point out shields. crazy. I, I would insane. also like to point out that there's some pretty big space racism space racism in this. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Can you count the number of times they say tailheads? Yeah, that's 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 weird. That's yeah, racist. That. Yeah, that that's, is just that's, racist. 
Yeah, I think um, but I think that the like that the kind of way they 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 kind of present that as sort of an insult or an epithet. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because we also see we 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 that that is kind of used to show how Boyle and Waxer revolve through this episode. You know, they start out pretty prejudiced. They say like, "Oh, these." stupid twilight stupid tailheads we're trying to free them why can't we use our bombs and grenades like they should just yeah. stay out of our way but then because they, they want to bust hands. down the doors and yeah, they want to bust down the doors take relic back take ryloth back asap but then over time they kind of see what happened to the twi'leks and they they really end up becoming more empathetic and, and develop a relationship with numa and they end up caring more and wanting to help the twi'leks there's an interesting so i think analogy. that's cool to see there's an interesting analogy I would uh, pose with this episode to Return of the Jedi. You know, we see the impact of that on Numa. We see her fighting for freedom uh, from the Empire uh, decades later in an episode of Star Wars Rebels. I, which one is that? It's um, the one with Champs and Duel. I forget which one it is. Either way, that, that one act of kindness of getting her back empowered her for years forward. Same way that if Leia had never offered her food to Wicket, the Rebels might have lost the Battle of Endor. Yeah. Absolutely. Seemingly and that, yeah, unimportant, but like, it, it's but really not, small yeah. acts of kindness. Meanwhile, that's actually kind of the B story of the episode. The Waxman Boyle story, which is actually the yeah. better story, is actually technically the B story. The A story is Obi-Wan and... Uh, Cody scouting around to try and get rid of that cannon. Um, and uh, they... By the way, this is a running theme throughout this episode and Liberty on Ryloth. What is it with the Republican probe droids? They never find mm. them. Ever. I don't know, the probe droids... In, in this episode, the probe droids kind of feel like... To me, it kind of feels like they pop up a little too much, you know? And like they never it feels do anything like they're with everywhere. it. They never do anything with it. Neither do that they like in the next episode. Yeah, the probe droids like they always. It, I it, mean, they're convenient, but like. Yeah, yeah it, it makes it. It. I would say it, it seems like they're gonna go and and do something, where maybe the the probe droid is beaming back information to the super tactical, and then that ends up really creating a problem where you end up having a uh, where, where you end up um, having like an ambush and, and a serious problem for the clones but that never really happens so yeah I don't know it, it, it's, a, it's a weird, it's weird. unresolved thing in this episode um, let's see what else uh, yeah they also use the separatists like starve these creatures that the have, like, bl not the blurgs. No, not the blurgs. Blurgs. Have, I love. First of all, I'm, we're gonna get to blurgs next episode. Blurgs are so much more powerful than me after seeing them in the Mandalorian because they're basically Dave's spirit animal at this point. Um, he's included them in all three Star Wars series he's worked on directly. Yeah, yeah, I never um, really thought of that, but yeah, that's so true. It, it, that's from the Mandalorian docu series. Um, he's like, yeah, blurgs just keep popping up with me, and there's nothing. <laughs> there's really nothing anyone can do about it. Apparently, uh, Blurg, I, I, I wrote, write down like four times next episode, Blurg energy, Blurg energy intensifies, Blurg energy, I, I don't know, I, I, I was obsessed with Blurgs from that episode, but anyway, uh, 
No, the, there there are other creatures that the separatists are using that have blaster proof shields, and um, Obi Wan then used beast control on um one of them, uh, and he resolves that. But uh, but those are like really scary, and like they were starving them. That's crazy. Um, what else do we got? Oh, there's some battle droid humor in this episode. Did you notice the battle droid humor? Yeah, I I thought that the I love the wise cracking battle droid. I think this is yet more evidence of a, a sentient battle droid society. I this think is about the worst job in the droid army. And it just, just went into overtime. That's the best line, I swear. <laughs> that, that is, is so good. Line. I love that. I love I know, that. That's that's a that, that's really great. And and I don't know. I maybe I'm too into the battle droid humor, but Yeah. I don't know. They can't have just been programmed with humor. The Nemoidians wouldn't do that. I... No, I don't think so. Waxer and Numa and Boyle escape from the Separatists using another vent. I mean, to be fair, it is a tunnel, not a vent, but yeah, but I, like, I see your point. Come on. <laughs> yet another vent, yet another vent tunnel. Actually, yeah. this is like not, other than that one use in there's no other Star Wars probe in these episodes. They never dress up like the enemy. The ship never get blo- gets blown up. It's actually surprisingly good. Um, I mean, Mace Windu's ship almost gets, or one of Mace Windu's ship almost gets blown up. But, but that, like, that's a whole other thing I, we can talk but yeah. about. Um, yeah. Um, th- I also really like... There, there's some structuring stuff in this episode that I very much, very much appreciate. Storm is like Storm doesn't even involve Ryloth. It's the Ryloth arc. The first episode doesn't even involve Ryloth. We never we never see the planet at all. Yeah. First episode, nothing. That, second yeah, episode, kind of second episode, not shocking to me, but it's surprising. It's it's very surprising. Second episode expands a little bit. We get onto Ryloth, but it's a more personal episode. Um, only in the third episode does it really feel like a lot of things are it like. That, that the entire planet is impacted by it. Not that the other two don't feel that way. It's just, it's the glo- I describe it as the global episode. Um, yeah. I also yeah, I like... I inclined to agree with that. I also like how it, all three of these episodes focus on different perspectives. You know what I mean? We got Ahsoka Absolutely. in one, Obi-Wan in two, and then Windu in three. It gives a more rounded view of everything. I really like the first battle scene in this, where we see the acclimator, the acclimator class transports. I don't really know why they're called transports because they do seem like full fledged star cruisers, but uh, they are more for a transport role. You know, we see the acclimator cruisers descending through the atmosphere. I really wish we got to see more of them. I feel like, I feel like they don't really have have their right niche. In, in prequel era Clone Wars content, given that now, now it's clear that uh, Star Destroyers in, in the Imperial era and in the Republic era, Star Destroyers can freely move through the atmosphere. I think that if if it was like it was back at some point in Legends when, when Star Destroyers were non-atmospheric and could only really operate well in space, I think I think that would have given a great niche for these uh these ships are like, oh, they're star destroyers, but they can also they can also go in the atmosphere. The droid says Kenobi is known for his deceptive maneuvers. 
that struck me as odd given that his main deceptive maneuver for all the Jedi even is is false surrender. You must be the infamous General Kenobi. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand how the Jedi justify that, but it's crazy. But also, man, I know I I know I talk a lot about the Star Wars music at times. Man, I think the flute music for, for the Twi'leks in this episode was was absolutely astonishing. I uh I thought it was so it just I don't know, something about it was just so full of beauty and, and hope and tragedy and it would it just felt so um so emotionally full the uh the, the music. Yeah. That, uh, that Kevin Kiner put together for this. So that Actually, was something you know what that I, I enjoy really about this episode? You know what I enjoy about this episode? What do you enjoy about this episode, Eli? How much we get to see of the 212. It's normally the 501st the entire time. I know, the 501st gets so much love. The 212th yeah. does not get, like, it does and not get a lot fine. of love. And that's fine. I love the 501st. They're probably my favorite clone legion because I don't really, like, care much about clone legions, but, like, still. <laughs> the 212th gets a lot of attention. I love that. It's great. Um, I like seeing a different, you know, um, I was, uh, I was looking at the different clone legions, the 501st legion, you know, and then the 212th legion, which is the, um, uh, sorry, the 212th attack battalion. Um, they have all different names. The, the 94th mobile reconnaissance corps is Stasali. Actually, Jacob, you might appreciate this one. You know what, uh, Ala Secura's clone battalion is? Are they the, wait, they're the 57th or? Nope, Jacob, they're the 327th Star Corps. Oh, the Star Wars number, all right. <laughs> Liberty on Ryloth. Liberty Fun on Ryloth. Fun story, um, let's go, before we go into this, I referred to it when I was texting Jacob about this, I referred to it several times, um, I even referred to it in my, my note on as victory on Ryloth. No, it's Liberty on Ryloth. I don't know why I said that. I might have even said that last episode. I might have said Victory on Ryloth when it was really Liberty on Ryloth. Anyway, I uh, so Fortune Cookie, compromise is a virtue to be cultivated, not a weakness to be despised. I think this makes sense for this episode. What do you I think? like I love it. I love it. I really like it. Um, I feel like this mainly deals with with Cham Syndulla's choices in this episode. You know, he doesn't really trust the Republic and the Jedi. And Frita, really. And Ord Frita, yeah. He doesn't really, you know, Cham thinks it will lead to another occupation. Um, but but he has to put that. He ends up putting that aside when he sees, when he, when he is reminded, I guess, of what the uh, what the separatists are doing to his planet. And Cham yeah. also has to compromise. You know, because they both. It's interesting. They both kind of think that the other is trying to use the situation for political gain. And one of them might be right, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think... Um, I think there's a decent chance that Orn Frita is trying to use it for political gain. Yeah, you know, I think Orn Frita kind of... Um, I don't know. Cham I know. is the more ideologically pure of them. So they're trying to um, liberate Lessie. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, Mace Windu and... Later, Cham, but Mace Windu's trying to liberate Lesu. And uh, there's only one way into Lesu. There's only one way to Lesu, and that's on through this, like basically on this bridge. Except for if, like, somebody, no one just ever bothered to fly in. That was my other question. Did they have anti aircraft cannons? I mean, they could have, but, like, I didn't see any. They never referenced any. 
the only way in was across a bridge unless you like got some sort of ship and just like flew across right yeah like if mace windu just hopped in a jedi starfighter and just flew across there's enough space for him to land right yeah i don't understand what that part was about i mean clearly the um the i mean it was an obstacle for him to overcome but it just seems yeah. like you could just use a ship yeah, I mean, clearly the Ryloth Freedom Fighters don't have that kind of uh, transportation technology. Well, the Republic does. But yeah, the Republic definitely does. I mean, maybe they could have made some reference that would have made sense. Maybe something about, oh, I don't know, high crosswinds. You know, there was a possibility to Again, they just never rationalize said anything. it. But they, yeah, yeah, they didn't really. Yeah, it's weird. So we meet Cham Syndulla and his band of Freedom Fighters. And they want Ryloth for themselves. Uh, and um, then we learn that Watt, that turned down for Watt, um, is going to burn it to the ground. Tuku wants him to burn it to the ground. To, okay, this is the weird thing. He wants to show them the cost of a Republic victory. So basically what that means is, yeah, they can give you good things when you win, but when they win, but but if they, but but if they really win, we're gonna burn it. What? That doesn't make sense. Like, can can you explain to me? You know, I think it's uh, well, I think it's a, they're talking about propaganda. Like, obviously. Yeah, but obviously, uh, it isn't actually the cost of the Republic victory necessarily, but at the same time. Even not everyone's a, gonna know that even from a propaganda spec so like because the republic won the separatists just got extra salty and decided to like be dragged kicking and screaming out of the house that's not the cost of a republic victory that's just the separatists being brats i know but they're saying yeah i think they're saying this people are gonna think this is the cost of the republic victory because they're gonna see a republic victory and they're gonna see the burning this. and they're not gonna associate the, the burning with the separatists yeah. or they, they might not necessarily oh i see what you're saying the burning with the separatists okay. you know it's, it's predicated on the fact that they don't have all the information got it yeah, yeah that makes sense they don't have all the information yeah also we get to see blurbs again they're the only creatures to ever appear in uh, in Mando and in Clone Wars and in Rebels, all three. Really, the only one? Yeah, on wow. Ryloth in Clone Wars and Rebels, and on and um on Arvala Seven, uh, in the beginning couple episodes of The Mandalorian season one. Um, yeah. Uh, later, Quill will say to 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 talk to Din Djarin about his ancestors riding the Great Mythosaur. Surely you can tame this young foe. I have spoken. Anyway, yeah. um, we also meet Rip Gobi, well. who will show up in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and oh, yeah, we Gobi. meet somebody else who shows up in Star Wars Rebels, I think. There's a young girl who climbs on Cham's arm in this episode. You think that's Hera? It's not confirmed. I, I really know, think I that's Hera. Are you sure? I don't think it's the right. I don't. I don't think it's the right color. Her her skin isn't the right color at all. I think looks green. Maybe, Hera's and again it could. It, it was. It looked close. more. Yeah, no, it looked more orange to me. But 
Who knows? Know. You know it, that that's a pretty cool. It'll it looked pretty cool. I and also it could change a little over time. A and B, it's the right time frame too. How old was that little girl? How did old that little girl look? That little girl looked like a five, six, seven, maybe. Hera was seven. Hera was seven. Speaking, Hera was seven. So yeah, that uh, that actually does make sense. It that could, lines uh, up pretty it good. It could be her. Yeah, it it totally could be her. I operated under the assumption that that was her. I'm wow. Okay. I I love the idea that that's Hera. Um, I mean, I think it's plausible. You've you've convinced me that it's plausible. Yeah. Another thing uh, I noticed about this episode, uh, first off, uh, the the first battle on the ledge is awesome with the uh, with the ATRTs and the yeah. ATTEs trying to make their way up the ledge. I think that Force Windu, Mace Windu's, I apologize, using the Force to break the glass is absolutely awesome. And, and apparently, yeah, this is it is actually according to StarWars.com, it is in fact a Shatterpoint reference. I think it is absolutely yeah. awesome. Something about that shot where he puts his hand up, all the cracks appear, and then he takes his hand away and it falls apart. Wow. Yeah. That just gets me every time yeah. I watch it. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, this episode turned me around a little on Mace Windu. Not crazy, but like, I enjoyed him in this episode, which is something I never thought I'd say about Mace Windu, but you know what? That's. I still don't like him. I just like. I enjoyed him much more in this episode. He seemed to be a good battlefield general, which. Is cool, but is also kind of the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Jedi aren't supposed to be battlefield generals. I also love the line. There's a line um, when Mace Windu is talking with uh, with Cham. He said Cham says um, talks about a Republican uh, a Republic op- occupation staying there, and he yeah. says, "How long before I'm fighting you, Master Jedi?" Um, I mean, he ends up fighting stormtroopers. Yeah, so I was to say, from his perspective, because it he comes was true. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was right from his perspective. Yeah, uh, he, he was. He was. He was very, very right. Um, and and Wat Tambor, he wants all the treasure. He wants dark side. I, 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 me, 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 me. Um. He wants all that treasure, but he takes a little bit too long. The droid, the tactical droid is a savage. Let me tell you, that tactical droid is like such a savage. Let me tell you, you know what I mean? Yeah. He just like fully takes Watt's shuttle and just leaves on it. I know. And that's, that also, I think is something that's kind of poetic about this episode is how Watt ends up, his, his undoing ends up being that he was too greedy yeah. He was. He wanted to wait. He wanted to get all the treasure he could. He wanted to. Yeah. It's 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 the downside of the dark side. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, no doubt. Yeah, and so they liberate Ryloth from uh, separatist control and put it back into the hands of the Republic for the time being. Uh, before we get to our overall thoughts. Jacob, uh, do you have any like low hanging fruit you want to talk about? Uh, no, oh, I think that uh... actually I have one. All right. One of the pieces of treasure that's being loaded into Watt Tambor's ship is the Ark of the Covenant from really? later Raiders of the Lost Ark. No way. Wow. Yeah, 
I actually saw that online on the StarWars.com episode guy, actually. Um, so that's a good reference to Star Wars' little brother. Um, so should we get to our overall thoughts about these episodes? Uh, yeah. What, what, was your, what was your overall impression of these episodes? What did you these think? These episodes were very good. I thought they were very good. In comparison to a lot of stuff we're watch, we've been watching, they're like very, very good. I think, in my opinion, Innocence of Ryloth's the best. Liberty on Ryloth's the second best. And then the worst of them all is Storm over Ryloth. They're all extremely close. Um, they're all very good. Um, we're doing a ranking for our uh, next episode. They're gonna they're gonna end up in my top half by far. No contest. All three of them. Uh, and yeah, I don't think I appreciate them as much as you do, but they're good. I like them. They have some really good storytelling in it. Yeah, absolutely. I um. I'm going to be honest, I didn't think these episodes were as great as the first time, or re-watching them this time, I wasn't quite as struck by them as I was previously, but, but, but really, still, even so, I really thought these were some really, really great episodes, definitely, along with the Malevolence arc and maybe a couple of other episodes, definitely the highlights of season one. I really think these episodes alone kind of help season one, in my mind, go for come from like a five and a half or a six out of ten like a six and a half or a seven out of ten they're they're very I'm solid about how good is them i really like i don't know they just feel like the complete package my my biggest gripe is that they don't feel like they go together too much they they they, they feel like all very different stories but overall i think that's i think that's all right i um i wish we got to see ryloth in the first episode that's my yeah opinion. but you know i like that we get to see ryloth i'm, I'm i am sad that we don't get to see Ryloth and see some more big, wide environmental shots and some, yeah, you know, they big, really beautiful well. panoramas once the animation kind of really kicks up in later seasons. But still, yeah, I, I really like these episodes. They gave me a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. So, yeah, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed them. First of all, before we get into anything else, that was it for season one of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Wait, we got and one more. Well, hostage crisis. What about hostage crisis? That's gonna be in season, like with season three in the timeline oh. chronologically. Um, oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's it for season one. Um, this is our final episodic episode of season four of Star Wars in the Galaxy. Um, our next episode will be our like recap, and then we'll have a special episode. Um, we're not done though, cause we got um some fun stuff going on. As, um, first, I think we should go with um, everyone's favorite part of the show. <clears throat> what you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion. Yes, indeed. It is the variety show part of our episode. What do we have today, Eli? This month. Okay, this month. All right. Do you want to go first? Uh, you go first. All right, so this month, one piece of Star Wars media that I've been that I've been consuming, that I've been enjoying is the From a Certain Point of View book for the Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back, yeah. You've I haven't sung finished the it yet. Of this book before, yeah. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but I really like it. I, I am I am really enjoying it. I, I I I love it. I think it's a very worthy successor to the uh, A New Hope From a Certain Point of View. I always love the idea of um kind of taking some of these stories and just these background characters and doing something really cool with them 
Um, yeah. One thing that did irk me a bit, it felt as though they were constantly trying to shoehorn in Rogue One and Jin Erso references in a lot of the Rebel stories, and it felt kind of unnatural. I'm not sure exactly why. I can't really put my finger on why I felt that, but just some of the ways that they kept referencing her and referencing like the things she said, like rebellions are built on hope. I don't know. It just felt like it was really kind of crammed in there in a yeah. not in some not so clever, not so subtle ways. So that was one thing I didn't like. But overall, you know, yeah. um, it, it's fantastic. I'm I'm really enjoying it. What what have you got going on this month? I'm very excited to talk about this. I'm gonna talk. This book just came out, so I'm gonna do it again. No spoilers, just like Jacob. Um, my this month is Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Um, this is the flagship book of the High Republic. Um, I was not planning on getting into the High Republic, but then the Acolyte got announced, um, and I thought, hey, it's at the ending of the High Republic. It'd be good as a mega Star Wars fan to know the beginning of the High Republic if I if we're gonna consume a very good. I'm hoping, and I think, show about the end of the High Republic era. Um, so I, uh, I got uh, Land of the Jedi, and I've started reading it, and it's just awesome. It's great. Charles Soule has already proved himself in comics to be a great Star Wars writer. This is his first novel, and he's knocking it out of the park, man. This, ha- this novel had a huge task ahead of it, because it had to be the first Star Wars book of an entire era of Star Wars publishing for books and comics. And then eventually the TV show with the Acolyte, which is going to be at the end of the High Republic era around 50 years before um, The Phantom Menace. He's knocking it out of the park. He, it's, uh, I, I'm only like maybe six, seven chapters in, but he's, there's some really awesome world building in Light of the Jedi. Um, we get to see a really, truly different time in the galaxy, and I really appreciate that. So Light of the Jedi. Um... That's my this month. Next, we asked on Twitter and, um, yeah, we asked on Twitter and in previous episodes um, for people to send their questions or hot takes or six degrees or anything. We got two questions for this episode from our fellow podcasters, Alberto and Andrew. So we're going to answer those questions uh, right now. From Alberto, who is the host of Radio Rebellion, we'll put... Um, Radio Rebellion and um, Outer Rim Reads, which is the other podcast um, we got a message from. Uh, we'll put them in the description. Uh, congratulations. What are you most excited for in the future of Star Wars? Ooh, you want to you wanna take this one first? Yes. I have an extremely weird answer, but let's do this. What I am most excited for in the future of Star Wars right now. Okay, here we go. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've been hyped for this game for over a year. I'm like so excited to be able to play the entire saga in Lego form. The Lego games, I've played them all. They're really great. I'm excited. What can I say? That's awesome. Um, this is a tough one for me. I don't really know something that I'm most excited for. That's a tough one. I think... Um, I think I'm pretty excited for to continue to see what what John Favreau and and Dave Filoni and that crew is going to do 
with their visual media and and their and having their hand in Star Wars. Book of Boba, um, Mando. Yeah, Book Rangers of Boba. Rangers of the New Republic. Ahsoka. Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic. I'm I'm really excited for all that. Um, you know, I've just whenever I hear a uh, John Favreau or Dave Filoni talking, they just really strike me as as people who are really great for kind of being the the custodians of of Star Wars and especially Dave Filoni. You know, clearly he just wow, he clearly Dave's has a very very deep he learned from george say, himself yeah he just he he yeah he's 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 into it you know and i i love that i i love how enthusiastic and passionate he is so i'm really excited to see what he's gonna create so yeah um i'm excited for dave filoni that's what i'm gonna say so uh from our friend andrew at outer rim reads um again link in the description congratulations on the one year you're one of my favorite shows to tune into we really appreciate hearing that. Um, yeah, we're just we're just two guys talking about Star Wars. We love uh, that people like to tune in and listen to us. Um, what have been the most challenging and the re- most rewarding things from starting and running the podcast for you both? Mm. Eli, w- you want to go first again because I feel like this is challenging. This is something you I'm not sure. I I think um, challenging. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard for me to say. Um, I'd say honestly, the, um, the note taking process is pretty challenging because it. I know there's so many unused notes for my episodes. I think Jacob's a little more streamlined than I am. Uh, there there are tons of. No- Again, I think people would laugh if they saw the notes for In a Galaxy because there are so many notes that I don't use ever. Like, there are just so many... No, and I never know what I'm going to use and what I'm not going to use. Um, so that's a, that's a little crazy for me. Um, the most rewarding thing... Um, I'll echo what Devor from A Large Review of the Force said on our episode. Uh, first of all, before I do that, let's just uh, appreciate the fact that we're getting other creators to do this with us. That is incredible to be able to talk with other people through the internet about star wars that's awesome i love that that's incredible and i i smile every time i get to do that but what divorce said is on his um episode um with us he was very appreciative of the fact that people are listening and that's really what i'm appreciative of the of of you know the fact that again i i said it earlier we're just two guys doing star wars and people are somehow listening to this so if you've ever listened to an episode of this podcast thank you so much jacob thank you um most the most challenging thing for me i think has been kind of feeling comfortable with with going along on the journey of this podcast um you know uh uh eli i want to thank you hats off to you you know um in case you didn't know eli is uh really the the brains behind the opera behind the outfit he um he 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 had the idea for this podcast he came to me and was like jacob we should do a podcast and at first i was just like okay but you know it's it's been a lot of fun but yeah something that's been challenging is just i i often feel scared to take that next step like uh having on a guest to me that feels really intimidating when we did a live stream with with a, with a few other people um that was really intimidating. So I think, uh, yeah, j- just kind of figuring out what I feel comfortable with and, and 
trying to trying to feel comfortable and and yeah just trying to feel comfortable has been a little challenging for me but that leads me into what i think is the most rewarding which is i think like eli just finding the amazing community of people you know through um through force fest i was uh i was i was really nervous for that i didn't know what was going to happen and you know we Neither ended up having a blast you know so someone uh, stepped up on the get vocal we talked with them in in the chat and 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 a couple of people were, were in the chat we were typing they were typing you know it was um it was fantastic every time we have a guest on yeah I, it just that's what puts a smile on my face the most is being able to connect with other people and 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 have them and and listen to their stories and and get to get to have an exchange with them and just make connections you know make friends find find a little community a little a little pocket for ourselves i that has just been that has been super fun for me and and i uh i've really enjoyed that the final thing we have in this episode we ask all of the people we talk to as guests a set of questions inspired by pete fletzer from around the galaxy who does the same uh we've never revealed our answers to these questions so without further ado let's do that right now okay right, here we go do, do you have so, the questions because um, i don't have them no i have the questions don't worry right, about awesome. it i have the questions actually let me pull them up right now um wait for it um where is it um this should be here we go i got it right now um so we'll just talk through them in our orders um okay favorite star wars character you want to go first or yeah i'll go first all right who's your favorite star wars yoda grandmaster yoda he is i always love the mentor characters but i love how flawed yoda is i love how we get to see where he fell short of doing what he could for the jedi order um and I love, I love everything about Yoda. Yeah, for me, my favorite character has got to be, uh, man, this is a hard choice, but it's got to be Kanan Jarrus for me. I really like his uh, his journey and the way he evolves as as a character and as a person. Freddie Prince. In um, yeah, in in uh, in Rebels, is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, seeing him grapple with his own shortcomings and the, the traumas of his past and trying to figure out how not to pass that on to Ezra and how to trying to figure out how to overcome his own insecurities and try and train Ezra and, and mentor this boy. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. And I was I was just heartbroken when he died. But I think that he is he's one of the uh he's one of the best characters and I think um and he doesn't get enough recognition, but yeah, I love I love Canon Jarrus. Awesome character. Okay, next one. Favorite trilogy. Ooh, I guess I'll go, I'll go first on this one. Okay, I'm just going to quickly duck to avoid all the pitchforks that are about to be aimed at me. My favorite trilogy is the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I said it. Um, my favorite trilogy is the sequel trilogy. Overall, has the most... We'll get to our Star Wars rankings very soon. Is the most cohesive place in my Star Wars rankings. They're all grouped near the top. Not, none of them are my favorite Star Wars movie, but all of them are very close um the sequels were the first star wars that i think spoke to me personally like you know we talk about things being your star wars you know what star wars first speaks to you most personally my star wars is the rise of skywalker my star wars before that was probably the last jedi 
those three movies speak to me like I saw them all in theaters and they all three of them were so so fun experiences and I instinctively associate them with being a Star Wars fan as well as I just love the characters Ray is awesome and I she's one of my favorite Star Wars characters I love what they did with Luke I love what they did with Han I love what they did with Leia I there were there are so many things that I find to appreciate about the sequels and I wish more people especially with the rise of Skywalker would admire the parts that I think are very admirable um but uh, they also have Ochi of Festoon which is a good thing uh, but I'll leave it to Jacob now um, to talk about his favorite trilogy, which I know is definitely not the sequels. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I think uh, anyone who anyone who knows me and has chatted with me, it's it's gonna be no surprise. It's gonna be the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, I I am a bit of an old head when it comes to the movies. You know, I like the prequels um, more than I did a few years ago. I've grown to like them. I'm I'm still haven't still haven't come around to the sequels, but uh, Force Awakens. Well, maybe we'll yeah, Force Awakens. Yeah, but the other two, you know, you know, look, we'll check back in a couple of years. We'll see how I'm doing. I'm I'm not vibing with them right now, but we'll see. But you know, yeah, honestly, I just think that A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, individually, they're all my favorite movies, and I think as a group, they're pretty awesome. I love the um, I love kind of the the campy humor, the, um, the, the art direction, kind of the way it's aged, I think. Um, it, it's pretty good. I think the prequels have aged not quite as well. But, you know, I, I think that the originals, I think you can sit down and watch them right now, and they just they still look phenomenal, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah. originals okay. all the way. Star Wars movie ranking is next. I guess I'll start with mine. Um, Ooh, okay. I also... By the way, I'm going to um, include, and I challenge you to the same, The Siege of Mandalore, I consider as a Star Wars movie, because it was, if you look at how it's presented, it feels like a Star Wars movie. So I challenge you to include Siege of Mandalore and also the Clone Wars movie in there. Okay, okay, I will. Okay. I can do that. So 13, that would include Star Wars movies. Number 13, Star Wars, the, for me. Number 13, Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Number 12, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Number 11, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Number 10, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Number 9, Revenge of the Sith. Number 8, The Phantom Menace. Number 7, The Empire Strikes Back. Number 6, The Siege of Mandalore. Number uh, number five, A New Hope. Number four, The Force Awakens. Number three, The Last Jedi. Number two, The Rise of Skywalker. And number one, Return of the Jedi. From the bottom up, in 13th place, I have The Last Jedi. In 12th, I have The Rise of Skywalker. In 11th, I have The Phantom Menace. In 10th, I have The Clone Wars movie. In 9th, I have Solo. In 8th, I have The Siege of Mandalore, since you wanted me to include that as a movie for our purposes. In seventh, I have The Force Awakens. In sixth, I have Rogue One. In five, I have Attack of the Clones. In fourth, I have Revenge of the Sith. In third, Return of the Jedi. Second, A New Hope. And first, Empire Strikes Back. Attack of the Clones so high surprised me. Wow. I know. it's I su It surprised me too when I was thinking about this. But honestly, 
I just every time I rewatch it, I kind of I kind of like it more. And and I'm I'm honestly that's surprised. The, but you know, I I was about I'm, to say that's I'm, the biggest disparity in our list. Then I remembered uh, Rise of Skywalker at number twelve and at number two. Never mind. Um, yeah, that's probably the that's probably the <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the biggest list disparity. Anyway, uh, let's get on to um the next question. Favorite non-movie Star Wars media that people are missing out on. Okay, here's my chance that's to make non- my campaign. All right, Star Wars Resistance, people. Resistance is so good. Resistance is so underrated. It provides some of the best context we've gotten about the sequel trilogy era outside of the movies. Um, and I love the characters. It, I don't know if you noticed this about Resistance. A lot of the characters are played by people of color and minorities, which I think really says a lot. Um, I Star Wars cool. hasn't always done the best about that, but I think Resistance is one of the biggest major steps forward for that. I think that's very important, and I think they also tell a very good story about love and about hope and about family. Um, and I highly encourage if people have not checked out Star Wars Resistance, do it. Check it out. Season one's good. Season one is my favorite season one of a Star Wars show, and season two is better. So, yeah. Star no. Wars Resistance. Star Wars Resistance. Okay, I have a similar answer. Um, I feel like a bit of maybe a bit of a broken record at this point, but Star oh, Wars like Rebels, Rebels, yeah. Rebels, Rebels. I I mean. To be honest, at this point, I am pretty thrilled because I've been seeing, I think, in in some of the online Star Wars communities and uh, just just in general talking to people, a lot more people now are watching Rebels and and yeah. are giving it a chance than were two or three years ago or when the show was running, and and that that really thrills me. Um, Out of our four you know, I've guests, all, I've always three loved of them, it. like, absolutely, the four guests we've had on so far, three of them absolutely adore Rebels. Yeah, but I still think it that feels- there are a ton of people who, um, I don't know, I just think that if people, you know, I, there are a lot of things that throw people off about it. It is kind of Disney and Kitty at the beginning. Um, it is a, it is an animated show, so if you're not, if, if, you, if that's not really your thing, then, maybe not but i really would just encourage everyone to everyone who likes star wars and wants to maybe go a little deeper or maybe just find something to to watch when they when they have an opportunity i would really encourage people to watch rebels i think it's a it's a really fun show and for me at least kind of deepened my appreciation for the uh, for the original trilogy era favorite star wars background character i'll go first i bet no one can guess what my answer is um <laughs> let me say a loud and proud everyone Ochi of Bestu, let me tell you, he's, he's one of the best Sith Hunters in the galaxy. He carries a cool dagger, and he also solves... My, my, the reason what, he's my, one of my favorite Star Wars characters is because he solves a mystery that I had swirling around in my mind for four years with, with, with the sequel trilogy, which is what happened to Rey's parents. We got an answer. Ochi killed them. Boom. Answer. Done. Good. That's it. JJ put his famous mystery box in front of us. And then four years later, you got to open it. Ochi killed Ray's parents. And I know I love Ray, and killing somebody's parents is no what is not tolerable in our society. But, like, you know, I don't know. I love Ochi. Ochi's cool. He's gotten his due in the Vader comics, which I've been reading, which are, is, which are great because they feature him in a starring role. 
I've been fascinated with Ochi ever since December 15th, 2019, when that movie came out in the theaters. Ochi of Bestoon. Ochi of Bestoon. Okay. This is a tough choice for me. I'm not really sure. But, you know, I'm going to say... Uh, yeah, I'm going to say... Um, the, uh, the modal nodes, the cantina band, big, big ridden on and the modal nodes. Modal I, um, I think there's really just a lot of potential there. Um, I think it would be pretty funny at some point to see, I don't know, someone do like a, 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 a spoof band biopic about the modal nodes, maybe, or an in-universe kind of biopic about, uh, about their rise and as musicians. I don't know. I just think they have a lot of potential and music in Star Wars is something that doesn't get explored a ton, at least not in a, at least not in a lot of the visual media. So yeah, I don't know. I, I find them fascinating. Good choice. Coolest Star Wars species. Um, for me, I'm going to go with Nautilans. I love Nautilans. Nautilans. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, um, I'm going to say Ithorians. I think Ithorians are really cool. Here's um, a flashback to you from way back in the day of In the Galaxy. Dooby doof, blah, blah. Dooby doof, blah, blah. Yeah, they were. From Knights yeah, of the Old Republic. Ithorians were he featured heavily in the uh, Star the Wars Knights of the Old Republic. If you Republic. don't know what we're talking about, go back to our very early episodes, episode two, three, four of Star Wars in the Galaxy. We definitely talk about it. Yeah, that was back when we were. I can't believe we started with the Knights of the Old Republic. I still, I find that funny still. What is your preferred Star Wars viewing order? Um, let, let's see. My preferred Star Wars viewing order, it's release order. Four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, seven, Rogue One, eight, Solo, nine. Just do it. It's easier that way. Yeah, I think for me, I would, I'm, I still say the release order. I think that, um, but but I think the release order kind of after after one two after four five six one two three the release order for me kind of breaks down. It doesn't really matter as much. But I think to really get the like what to, what to me is the authentic Star Wars experience. I think it's imperative that those six kind of come first, and then after that you can do whatever you want. But I think the the original six movies sort of to me are something that have to be kept intact in that order yeah um what uh what star wars planet would you go to for vacation um challenge for this question don't say naboo don't say naboo okay you know i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say alderaan either yeah i'd say uh scarif scarif yeah that's a pretty nice nice tropical planet snorkeling pre waiting zero bby (laughs) Three zero BBY before it has a giant plume of ash and rock that blocks out the sun and probably causes a mass extinction. High Republic era Scarif. Yeah, High Republic era Scarif. You know that makes sense. Um, for me, I would I'm gonna have to say Hoth. I just um I'm a skier. I love snow. I love skiing. So I think any of those planets, uh, Hoth, Scipio, um, you know anywhere you could ski. That's my Vandor. jam. Vandor. Vandor, yeah. I think even, um, um, is it Scipio where we see a Embo snowboarding uh, down I, a mountain? There's also that planet. Hat? There's also that planet in The Passenger. Um, Mando season two, The Passenger. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One where Mando and Frog Lady crash. Oh, well, that has spider. That has those ice spiders. So I think I'm. Yeah, fine. but if you don't go into the cave, that's not going to be a problem. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm fine skipping that planet. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I'm gonna stick okay. with Hoth. I think. I think that's got some good. Uh, good fall lines. What is the coolest weird Star Wars viewing order? I'll start with my custom viewing order. It's the. It's like poetry. It rhymes viewing order. I. I'm doing my trivia watching because someday I want to movie trivia showdown. Hey guys. Draft me some point, please. Thank you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it didn't happen this time. Uh, but anyway. Hey, you gotta shoot your shot. You gotta we, shoot your shot. Twenty twenty two. It's gonna be the year. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but uh, I watched. I did the trivia watch in that order. It was there's some good stuff in that order. Four, one, five, seven. Then we go to Solo. Then we go to Rogue One. Then we go to Attack of the Clones. Um, then we go to Last Jedi. Then we go to, um, Reven- no, then we go to Return of the Jedi, then we go to Revenge of the Sith, and then we go to the Rise of Skywalker. Um, it creates a really good arc where we see the parallels between Anakin and Luke and Rey and how their journeys evolved. We get insights about the Jedi. Um, there's some other cool stuff, like Luke's, um, like, uh, Luke reckoning with Yoda about whether he should be trained and Anakin reckoning with Yoda about whether he should be trained in episode 5 and episode 1 are very similar. But you'd only notice that by seeing them back to back. In addition, episode 3 starts on Mustafar. Episode 9, I'm sorry, episode 3 ends on Mustafar. Episode 9 starts on Mustafar. The only reason you'd notice that is if you watch them in order. In episode 8, you hear Luke Skywalker talking about the legend he once was. You'd only get that by, and, and then you go back and watch episode six and see the legend that Luke once was as described in The Last Jedi. There's all these little connections that you wouldn't think about, but are so cool in there. Um, yeah, that's the weird view order I'm preferring. Jacob? Sounds pretty great. You know, I had a lot of, um, I, I feel like I have a lot of uh, options for this, but I think I got to go with um, a weird viewing order, I think, is um, the uh, the sequels are the main part. Seven, eight, nine, seven, order. You know, four, five, seven, eight, six. Seven, four, five, six, eight, one, two, three, nine. Yeah, something like that. You know, you like seeing that everything else is just flashbacks and mythology for the sequels, which to be honest, um, I don't, I, I'm not going to say I... It doesn't make me happy thinking about it that way. But at the same time, I think it is a really, really interesting idea, even though I personally don't subscribe to that idea. So that's why I picked it. I think it's really interesting. Um, Next question. What would your job be in the Star Wars universe? Um, (sighs) I would say uh, mine would be a Jedi consular, probably. Um, Nice. I love the Jedi, and I'd want to be one. Um, I like the Jedi Consulars in Legends, at least, use their Force abilities, prioritize those over lightsaber uh, mastery. And I, I like that idea. Um, and so Jedi Consular. I think I would want to be a chef. You know, I'd be Dexter Jetster, have six arms, be able to chop, like, use three different There's cutting boards There's something that might depend once. on, though. What? How good your manners are. How big your... Pocket book is. 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just think it would be really fun. Um, I'm into cooking and I, th- I would love to be able to uh, galactic experiment chef. with uh, Star Wars ingredients, galactic chef. May you know, Lu runs some, uh, and May Lu runs, Yogan fruit, uh, yeah. Bantha ribs, you know, what, what whatever you have, you know, I would I would cook it up. I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. We all know about George Lucas and his obsession with this quote and really my obsession with this quote. You know, it's like poetry, you know, they rhyme. Every stanza sort of rhymes to the last. What's your favorite moment? Poet, poetry it rhymes example in Star Wars. Um, let's see. Oof. Mine would be, there's a couple of, of ones that I like. Um, I really like, first of all, here's one I noticed. In the sequels, Kylo um, has a task in the sequels of finishing what Vader started. Yeah. In episode nine, Rey goes where, um, tries to find the Wayfinder where Luke's, um, where Luke's, uh, trail went cold. And so, in effect, she is finishing what Luke started. That's one of them. Number two, the number of times people ask R2 to stay with the ship is kind of disturbing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got like, that's real. it's really, really disturbing. Um, and then there was another one. Oh, here's the other one. This is fun. Obi-Wan in Twin Suns imitates Qui-Gon's position that he took right before he died to trick Maul and bait him um, into thinking Obi-Wan's uh, weaker than he is. That's in, a pretty, in essence, uh, correcting his master's mistake. Those are my three examples. Go that's ahead. That's pretty great, yeah. Oof, one example that I think of, um, there are a lot of these, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, none of them really come to mind right now. So I'm going to say uh, the way that Kanan has two arms outstretched and he's holding back the, the fire when he's when he, uh, in the scene of his passing. And, and he's also pushing away the ship. He's got his arms outstretched. And, and then he looks back. And then we see Ezra. And he says, go. And we see the same thing. And in the season, in the finale of Rebels, we see the same thing with Ezra pushing uh, the, pushing the doors closed, pushing the Purgle um, arms around Thrawn. There's all that floating glass, amazing scene. And, and then he uh, says through the comic, you know, I, I got to do this. I got to see. He says, I have to see this through in the same way that Kanan uh, saw it through and, and did what he had to do. So Powerful. I thought that was a really, yeah, to me, that was a really powerful and emotional, uh, emotional um, parallel. If you could take one item or force power from Star Wars into the real world, what would it be? Mine. Telekinesis. I can't tell you how many times I, I reach for something that's just out of reach, and I wish I had the force for it. Telekinesis. The ability to move objects around with the force. Yeah, I would have to say, uh, I would have to say telekinesis too. That would just be so much fun to be able to lift objects, move yeah. objects, kind of like push yourself around. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Telekinesis, 100%. You know, I really think for cool factor, nothing would quite beat a lightsaber. But honestly, telekinesis, telekinesis is also pretty cool. Telekinesis would just be so much more practical. You'd be so popular. You could you could help all your friends and family move. It'd be so easy. You just pick up a couch or something with the and like with you your know, mind. It's one of the 
best moments in Star Wars Rebels, like the Vader holding up the walker with the Force. Yeah, that's that's that, so badass. That is so cool. I love that moment. Um, Absolutely. Final final question, Jacob. You you all know we all know the tragedy of a bounty hunter not named Darth Plagueis the Wise, but uh, who tried to to assassinate Padme. She hit the ship, but they used a decoy. Jacob, go ahead. I gotta say it. It's Zam Wessel. Zam Wessel, myself included. Yes, Zam Wessel. That is that is my considered opinion. Zam Wessel. Actually, it's not a considered opinion. It's just something I took for granted until one day I realized other people felt differently. And then I or I guess not even me, but Eli started having super strong feelings about it, and then I got, I got dragged in. <laughs> so yeah. Zam Wessel overrule done. <laughs> Zam Wessel anyway, it is. Zam Wessel. At least on this on this show, it's it's Zam Wessel. It's but you know, Zam Wessel. If it's if you say Wazell, we we respect that. We we love but, that. You know. But also you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, but also you're, we're wrong and we hate you for it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Next week is the finale of Season 4 of Star Wars in a Galaxy, where we're going to be looking back at all of the episodes we covered this season of Star Wars The Clone Wars. We'll also um, prepare, um, prepare you and tell you about what we're going to be doing the next week after that, which is also going to be a very special episode. But you'll hear more about that next week. Anyway, um, uh, in the meantime... Uh, you can listen to us on Anchor, on Spotify, on Breaker, um, on Radio Public. Anywhere you get your podcasts, we'll be there. Follow us on Twitter, at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram, at Star Wars In a Galaxy. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube, Star Wars In a Galaxy, um, right there. You can follow me on Twitter, at OchiFan327. I'm trying to figure out... Oh, yeah, leave a five-star rating. Uh, and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It really helps yeah. our visibility. If you want, um, it really helps us out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if there's nothing else, thanks so much for tuning in for one year, and may the force be with you always. <laughs>